You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Welcome to Why I'll Never Make It, a lighthearted podcast that takes a revealing look at a career in the entertainment industry, featuring stories and conversations with those on stage and backstage, on screen and behind the scenes. To keep up with all the guests and episodes, go to the website, winmepodcast.com. There you will find ways to follow and connect via Twitter and Instagram, as well as ways to support and donate to this podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, and this is Why I'll Never Make It. Well, here we are, the final episode of season two. This has been quite a uh, quite a journey here for season two. Thank you so much for joining me on all these episodes. And we've had some great guests along the way, starting off with Wo Chicken Sea Casting, uh, along with a, a, a Tony nominee, Caitlin Kinnanen. But we've also featured people in the writing world, like John McNally, and another John, John McGinty. There, there are just so many guests that I am so grateful for that they came on the show. And today is no exception to that. Mr. Ben Davis is actually someone that I discovered. Uh, he did a, a BBC Royal Albert Hall production of Kiss Me Kate. It was a one night only. That stage version was filmed and presented on BBC back in 2014. And that was actually what introduced me to Ben Davis. I had not uh, seen his work up until then. And when you hear a great baritone, as you know, as I am a baritone myself, I always kind of look up to and I'm always anxious to hear a, another great baritone because tenor, especially pop tenor, tends to be where the Broadway musical is nowadays. And to, uh, to hear uh, such a great voice as his is, uh, is quite a treat. In fact, it was the Hollywood Reporter that was giving a review and called it Davis's seductive baritone is swoonworthy, which I think is a an apt description of his voice. And once I discovered that Kiss Me Kate version, I then started looking up other work that he's done. And it basically is a list of all my shows that I would love to do. So in the episode today, we talk about some of the shows that he's had a chance to do and some of the directors that he's had a chance to work with. And for me, I know you're going to get a lot out of this, but for me, it really was kind of a, um, a research and a case study of what, hopefully, fingers crossed, my career can be. But for now, here is Ben Davis. I join him at the Muni. Currently, I'm in Kinky Boots, and he was in the show right before us, Guys and Dolls, playing the part of Sky Masterson, of course, yet another of my bucket list roles. And so I caught up with him at the Muni last week. All right, Ben, here we are. We're in your dressing room at the Muni. Yes, sir. Now, now you have been the Muni several times before. Yeah, this is my fifth show here. I love it. Anytime I can come back, I do. St. Louis itself is a good place. And, it is. And the Muni is, is very welcoming. I mean, but it's a quick process. It's a really quick process. But what I like about that is that you have to kind of force yourself to make a decision and make a choice. 
and go with it. There's not a lot of time to overthink it. There's no time to overthink it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which is which is kind of a, a nice thing. Yeah. Now, with the shows that you've done, were any of them shows you'd done before, or were you coming in new to each of them? My first show here was Spamalot, and I'd done that for two years previous to that. So, But the choreography was completely different. Which always stresses me out. So yeah, that was yeah, that, that's my nemesis. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was the the part of it. It was Dennis Jones who choreographed it, who's fantastic. He directed mm-hmm. and choreographed it. But uh, it was not the walk in the park I thought it was going to be. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the only show I've done before that. Yeah, and so and so coming here, then you you do a lot of your own prep before getting here. Yeah, you just to try to bone up on the the lyrics and on the the the, uh, the words, the scenes as much as possible because you don't want to stress out. You want to be able to play, and it's it also makes it you're being a good team player if you do that because then you can really play with your scene partners a lot more. Right, so you're not buried in your yeah, script exactly. During the scene where, exactly. Yeah. What what is your process like for for preparing, learning lines, getting the music up? Um, just. You know, if I'm playing something from something or something where I can reference it, I'll watch that. And But I'll always just kind of go with what's in the script itself. Sometimes you can get buried in research a little much, and that feeds a backstory. But you still got to deal with what's on, on, on the sheet, on the paper there. So I'll do that for memorization. Writing helps me a lot, just oh, okay. writing it down. There's something tactile about that. Is that for both lines and the music? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I'll go over it with my girlfriend a lot. She's, she's a fantastic, uh, judge of me and is liberal with her opinion, which I love. Uh, so that, that helps a lot, especially with movement. Cause she's a dancer. So, uh, and I'm not, so she's, but she's good at physicality. So she helps me with that. Yeah. And kind of sometimes matching physicality to words does a lot. So that's the kind of the final thing is that right. you get up as much as you can. And then without putting cementing an idea in your head, and then you get it up on its feet, and it kind of that that helps you. Yeah, th- yeah, because there are those physical anchors. That's like, oh right, I'm moving here, or yeah. I'm doing this gesture, and that kind of propels, it, reminds you where you are. Exactly, exactly. line wise. Yeah. yeah. So with your, you know, since we share our <laughs> our love of dance, yes, uh, has have you felt that that has held you back any as you've gone through your career, or has it has it affected that in any way? Maybe, but I don't. I don't know. I mean, you kind of, we all have what we do and you try to make the most of with, within that. Uh, and I'm just not going to be a dancer and was yeah. never going to be a dancer. And uh, so I've been able to do some dancey stuff. We did Oklahoma here uh, three years ago, mm, something like that, three or four years ago. And uh, they did the Stroman version where I had, I was playing curly and I had to do the ballet myself. Oh, okay. Yeah, man. Yeah. And I had to learn that in like four or five days. Luckily, Christi- Christine Corner-Smith was my, my Lori and she's an incredible Trina and, and actress and singer. And she helped me a great deal. And we had amazing uh, people helping us learn it. So Yeah, because it's not just about being in the right place, right time. You no. have to like actually look like you're yeah. exuding it and enjoying yeah, that, it and expressing it. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I captured that 100%, <laughs> but I think we got pretty close. Yeah. So you have done a lot of, I guess, what would be called classical music. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, would you say that that's like your genre? That's That's what you do best? It seems to fit my voice best only because... I am a legit baritone. Like, you know, I, I used to sing high A's all the time when I first joined Les Mis, but I don't want to do that. That's just, that doesn't allow for any kind of life outside of this. Just, right, um, right. You I can't mean, if you pay a me a lot, we can get there. But yeah. no, but uh, so they just don't write modern music, contemporary music, musicals for baritones anymore. 
Um, not very many, at least. So I found myself uh, being employable mostly in, in those golden age musicals. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you enjoy that most? Have you tried to like push yourself and be in more contemporary stuff? Or does it just kind of that's how it falls? I mean, that's how it falls. I've been uh, going in and out of Dear Evan Hansen, uh, standing by for the father, for Larry. And that's been great. And I love I mean, I love that music. And, and yeah. the show is fantastic. Um, but, you know, you just kind of do the best you can. And then to a certain extent, the business, I feel like, dictates where you're going to go. You, can, you can't control that part of it. All you can do is kind of prep yourself the best way possible so that you have as many tools in your box. And then uh, the market kind of dictates for you where you're going to lay. That's true because we have our own ideas of what our type yeah. is. But then, as you say, the casting directors, producers, the things we're cast in kind of make that decision for yeah. us. And, and, you know, that can be frustrating because we all like to think that we're much more malleable than maybe we, in fact, are. I can do all things, I can do right? everything. <laughs> um, but at the same point in time, if you find something that people seem to think you're good at, make the most of it and try to, and you know, especially as I've gotten older, uh, it, it, it's it's become I'm starting to fill that niche now a little more and more, and so it's it's nice. I was never the the pretty boy ingenue, uh, yeah. yeah. So I've I've kind of grown into myself a little bit, and hopefully I have a couple more years of that at least before <laughs> right. I just go right. just a just right. a little a few little, more years oh left. God. Yeah. So uh, how how was that? Uh, I I guess finding yourself finding your your type. Yeah. How did how did you go about kind of I guess, fitting into what, what those casting directors were finding you for. And, and because you said it can be a frustrating process sometimes. Yeah, well, it's, it's just about, I, I think I was lucky because my first show, big show was Les Mis, which was a, a singer show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my second show was La Boheme on Broadway, which a, was another, another singer, singer show. show. So um, that kind of fit that. So people knew that I could do that. And then my next show was Thirdly Modern Millie, which was uh, incredibly frightening and scary, but but awesome experience because I got to do a comedic role. Um, so that kind of broke that stereotype. So you just try to chip away at, at whatever walls they try to put you in and, and you know, expand what you can do and, and uh, fail a lot and uh, see what happens. But that was just not being scared of trying and putting yourself out there, I think, is the best uh, advice that I could give. Yeah. yeah, and and for Love Whim, there was a, a special Tony Award given just for for that ensemble. Cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- what, it, explain exactly what what they or how they gave yeah. that award out to your ensemble. So my role, Marcello the baritone, was double cast. So I had a, another guy that played the role four times. I would play four times a week, and then the Musetta, who was our uh, female counterpart, was also double cast. The Rodolfo's and Mimi's were triple cast. Mm. Uh, the tenor and other soprano. So. The producers and Baz didn't want everybody pitted against each other. It would have been hard to do. It's, it's it, you had to figure out who's featured leading. Exactly. Who's to, yeah. So they they petitioned the uh, the Tony committee not to do that. And the Tony committee said they wanted to honor us, so they decided for this uh, excellence honor for excellence in theater. And it's it's a gorgeous award. Uh, Hugh Jackman gave it to us. Wow. Um, I feel incredibly blessed to have it, and uh, that experience of La Boheme will always be. Not because of the Tony, uh, in, in part because of that recognition, but just the whole experience in general is really, truly special. Because Love of Women is a, is a much different show from most musical theater. Yeah, it yeah. is. But if if I can say any of the operas that, that would be accessible, it is that. It, there's mm-hmm. just, it's and it was Baz and CM, his wife, 
their aesthetic and their way of working is just, uh, it's unlike almost anything I've ever done. There was, it was just so gorgeous. Well, I mean, Moulin Rouge is one of my all-time favorite yeah, movies. And, yeah. and that was just a couple of years after that Right after, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what was it like? Because did you see Moulin Rouge? And, I loved it. Right. So you loved knew it. about his work even yeah. before then. And so what was that process like? Going, because uh, he that was a film. Yeah. This is now going to be on stage. He Did, directed everything very cinematically. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. So. Even the audition process was so interesting. Everything was filmed. He was up with you with a camera in your face the whole time as you're auditioning. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was about... so cool. But it, it took it out because we all hate on most sane people hate auditions. Um, but the second you can, it turns into a work session or something that yes. doesn't feel like you're having to put out product, but that you're working. And that's what he did, even just in being up with you. You felt like he was up there with you and kind of like he would take you over in the corner and whisper something to you and then have you come back and film you again. And so uh, it was just so cool. It's like one of those things where uh, he's one of those directors and the good ones are like this, I think, that he makes you think you come to your choices on your own. And <laughs> it's only he's when, really steering. <laughs> yeah, it's only when you look back and you're like, oh, no, no, he, he totally he totally uh, was taking me there. Yeah. So, but he makes you feel empowered. Yeah, well, and well, and, and that's so important because yeah. we we were talking about this, I guess, lack of control about finding our own type sometimes, yeah. and so it's great whenever we can have those those moments where it's a little bit more in our control. Yeah, yeah. Have you worked on stuff that's 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 your own or things that you've created or produced yourself? I'm to take back some of that so, control. <laughs> so upset with myself that I haven't, and I've been meaning to. You know, I never thought that I had. Honestly, I just didn't think I had much of a story to tell or anything like that because I led a pretty, you know, kind of blessed life and uh, hashtag blessed and uh, blessed life. <laughs> and then uh, I saw my friend Ed Hibbert do a cabaret and it was fantastic. And then my friend Marin did one about her growing up and listening to records. And it was fantastic. And I loved what they said. And this was after my father passed away and I got divorced. So I was like, OK, now I have some shit that I can. Right. Sorry. Now I have some stuff that I can. I can lay out there. I have some yeah. life experience, some stuff that wasn't so rosy uh, happened. So maybe I, and I just need to order it and figure out what songs are going to go and, yeah. and see if it's something worth doing. But that being said, then I just helped. I did a, an encore show with Karma Cusack. She's wonderful. She's isn't she? unbelievable. Yeah, she's, yeah. She and I did First Wives Club oh, together, and she's just a lovely person. She is. Besides, being yeah, extra talented. Yeah, exceedingly talented. <laughs> yeah. And then after we got done with Call Me Madam, she went and did a, a couple concerts or a concert at Fifty Four Below, mm -hmm. and she asked me to sing at it and a couple other people, and it was just stuff that she liked. Had no no story or anything. It was like, oh, I just love these songs. I want to sing them. Yeah. And that's that's like. I wish I could do that. I wish I had the, the balls to be like, look, yeah, people want to hear me right, do this. Right. Um, so I, I do. The, the, that's the long answer to the short answer of, no, I've been lazy and I need to do it. But you want lazy to. Lazy. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I really do. Yeah. So when it comes to the kind of roles that, that you've wanted to do, are there any that are kind of outstanding, those bucket lists? It's like, I haven't quite made those yet. Uh I want to do Sweeney Todd at some point. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's a beast. Yeah. It is a beast. And it's there have been possibilities that have come about, but then didn't come about. So that's fine. And we'll wait for it to, to, yeah. to happen in the right way. Yeah. Uh, so that's one. I just want to see what people can do that's new. I would love to play Don Quixote, but I don't know if that'll ever happen. I've, now. Got, I've gotten to do it once. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with, with the way casting's going. It's interesting. You know, yeah. 
Um, so there are those, but I really want someone to write a, a musical theater role for a legit baritone again. Right, right. It's it's. I think it's a voice, not just a, a fock, but a voice type that's missing. Uh, uh, I did this thing called uh, Baritones Unbound, which was written by Mark Kudish. Mm. And and about the history of the baritone voice. And it was me and, and that Kudish. sounds exactly like something yeah. Kudish would yeah. talk about. I've I've seen his videos where he he kind of goes off about musicals and, and He's what brilliant. the voice you do. Yeah. He's I mean Kudish is a very very well rounded and and uh, intelligent individual. And uh, so this was about the the history of the baritone voice and it, where it kind of abruptly stops, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, but the the thing is, is the baritone voice was always the voice of the people. It was a it was kind of like the everyday man's voice. Hmm. And yeah. um, I think that it's a storyteller's voice because it's in the a normal range. You know what I mean? The 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 ear can hear it very easily. Yeah, um, it, it, it's generally not a very showy part. No, it, it, because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's that's missing because you can get real characters. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They can. Uh, so that's what I hope. I hope somebody comes along that that has a great deal of skill and and uh, love of of storytelling that wants to to do that. There's there, what's on Broadway and some of the music on Broadway is fantastic right now, but I really do miss uh, some storytelling. Yeah, and yeah, not just fireworks. Yeah, because the the show that I'm doing here at Muni Kinky Boots. You know, the, it has the baritone line, and I'm just doing G's and A's. That's incredible. <laughs> That's incredible, right? I'm like, I'm like, yes, uh, as a baritone, I can go up there, but I like to come back down. Yes, please. So we can, right? <laughs> so I can make it through the whole show. Yeah. yeah. You just, uh, yeah. So, and I think that there's plus, yeah. Anyways, we well, can, well, well, well. In this cabaret, see, you can you can do all those songs that touch a G and come and back then come down, back down to earth to, to normal land. Yes, exactly. That's where I'd like to live. <laughs> So it's it's very interesting as I was looking back on on all the stuff you've done because I was first introduced to you through the Kiss Me Kate oh, yeah, the, yeah. the BBC production which was just fantastic that was and so you know much fun. for me that's one of my bucket list roles to yeah. do Fred yeah. which, is, which is so great and so it was interesting as I was going through your resume and really you're my first guest who's like either done roles that I've done or you're you're hitting the bucket list yeah. roles that I still have yeah. and so. To, to talk to you as, as baritone to baritone, yeah. as we've been doing, what have you found is has been the, I don't want to say secret, but but basically your your motivation and what has kept you going in, you know, because obviously there have been moments where you haven't been cast in something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what has kept you going to, to push on yeah. into those roles? Um, It's interesting because especially with the baritone voice, I feel like they'll sacrifice the voice in our roles because you you know you, you don't have to have somebody who can hit A's and B flats and stuff like that. So you can you'll, you'll pull a tenor into a baritone role where you can't put your baritone into a tenor role if that yeah. tenor has star power. If they have, you know what I mean. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you you've got to kind of be pissed about that for about twenty four, forty eight, seventy two hours, and then get over yourself and kind of just go well. I will. We'll always work. We'll always. We'll work. It may not always be the work that we want, where we want it, but we'll work. And then the the right things will come around, and they'll be very special because not a lot of people can do what our voices do in in the way that they do them. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of got to keep holding on and and 
making your money where you can other elsewise, elsewise, you know, like I'll have to go and do more regional gigs because they do more classics there. Like Muni. Yeah. yeah. Like the Muni. Um, and you, you just find your work in uh, Ron Raines. I just did lady in the dark right. and with Ron Raines, which was a, a thrill, another baritone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's like, just keep on doing what you do. That's all you can do. Just keep on keeping on. And so <laughs> here we are. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's almost just a, uh, a career of persistence. It is. And you know what? I've, I've been fortunate lately to get more and more concert work, yeah. which is fantastic. It's, it's, it's so exciting to sing with orchestras. Uh, the money is usually pretty good and the time commitment isn't, isn't huge. Um, so yeah, you just cobbled it. You know, it is your squirrel trying to get a nut. You just mm-hmm. cobble together a career in any way you can. Yeah. And, uh, you know, do things like you're doing and find your passions and your interests in other, any way you can and, and, uh, follow that. And what do you do to maintain your voice? Because especially as you start to do concerts more, then it's really about the voice and not necessarily telling Yeah, that's the story. so stressful. You know, I had to have, I had uh, horrible reflux. Uh, and this was about 12 years ago is when it started. Yeah, 13 years ago. Oh, 13, 14 years ago. And uh, had a granuloma on my arytenoids, which are the cartilage in the back of your throat. Ooh. And uh, so I lost range. I lost dynamics. It was awful. And I uh, went and had throat surgery from Dr. Zytel's up in Boston who did Adele's surgery and everything. Oh, okay. And uh, was on vocal silence for three weeks and it grew back to its original size. So they're like, okay, well, this isn't vocal abuse. This must be reflux. I found out I had Barrett's esophagus, which is a precancerous condition in your esophagus. Oh, my god! So then I had to have stomach surgery for the reflux and another throat surgery. And that made so me your body so was just fighting against yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. And my... my Digressing, my dad passed away six years ago from esophageal cancer. So it oh, obviously okay. it was very, it was a good thing that I'm a singer and that, that it affected me that much so I could get it taken care of. Yeah. But uh, you, and as you get in your three year career, you become more and more acutely aware of your voice. Mm-hmm. And that's a blessing and a curse because uh, you know when you're even feeling slightly off and you know you can get through it and everything like that. But the older you get, too, rarely are the days that you're like, oh, man, I'm 100%. Like, <laughs> yeah, it is what, just, is, uh, what is 100%? It is just all there. Remember when you were, tw- you know, I got cast one in Les Mis when I was 22 years old. It didn't yeah. matter. I was singing A's, eight shows. I could have wide open A's. Yeah. Like, just yeah. didn't matter. Yeah. No way, man. No. So it's just, but uh, so you just kind of pick your repertoire yeah. and the, the programming. You work with the person you're doing the concert with to, to program it correctly. And uh, try not to drink as much alcohol as you want to. I, I've, I've discovered right? that myself. Yeah, it's no yeah fun. I have to lay off the alcohol. It's no fun, but it's it beats having to stress out about your voice. Now, did you find this because in my in my twenties, when I was you know early twenties, going to college, that was really my first vocal training yep. of any kind. Mine too. Yeah, and so. You know, that was about an E. Maybe I could tweak out an F if I was like on a good day. But then as I've gotten older, now I can get up to a A flat. Yeah. So have you found that your vocal range has expanded and shifted as you've gotten older? Definitely. You know, uh, because I started late and and my senior year. I So my first show ever was my junior year in high school. It was West Side Story. I played riff. Mm-hmm. The most non-dancing riff like <laughs> right. ever. Um, my This is going to sound awful. This was back in the day. My senior year, we did King and I. I was Lunta. <laughs> I was Pepe in oh West Side Story. So, I mean, you know. That would never happen. Well, but when uh, I'm from Alabama. so Indiana. I mean, yeah. yeah we're, I, mean, we're, I, we're, I knew not one Hispanic person growing up. Yeah, we had so. a couple of Asian people. That was it. Yeah. Um, 
so I had to hit a G in there, and I was freaking out. Oh, yeah. We got through it somehow. My first voice teacher was Ben Wright's mother, who was uh, Jack and in Into the Woods, the original Jack and in oh, Into the Woods. Okay. And she was fantastic, so she helped me a great deal. Um, my final audition for Les Mis uh, was on the phone. So, yeah, because... <laughs> I've never had one of those. They flew me. They flew me. I auditioned in Chicago. They flew me to New York for a second one. I was still in, in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And then I was sitting at work, and they called me, and they're like, we didn't check to see how high you could sing. We're going to put you on the phone with the music director. Oh, and just do the scales? And do the, and do the sing the phrase. Oh, and it was, okay. we'll be there. And uh, I was like, okay. And I'd never hit an A in my life, ever, ever. Mm. So I go home, and I'm like, we'll be there, we'll be there, like screaming him out. And he played it, and I, I hit it twice. Youth. Yeah. Youth. <laughs> And uh, muscle through. through it. And two weeks later, I was on the road with Les Mis. Yeah. So, but my voice is actually rounded out a lot. And mm-hmm. and so A flat is as high as I want to go now. And I can do, like I've sung Bring Him Home and stuff like that. But I don't, I don't, I just don't want to have to do eight shows a week of, of worrying about that. Because when you started Les Mis, that was Angeras? I was Fouillis first. Okay. But then I played Angeras on, on Broadway and on tour as well. Yeah. Yeah. Angeras is, I've done that role twice yeah. regionally. That's yeah. a bitch of a role. Because it's screaming and it's... Yeah, 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 there's that one song where literally the entire page, you're just sitting on a G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That that G sharp. Yep. You know, that you're you're just like... No, it's ridiculous. They they didn't write kindly for the voice. (laughs) Again, taking the baritone up the the stratosphere. Yeah, so that was... But still, Les Mis, I'm sure you would agree... just one of my favorite scores. I did it of for four years. I mean, yeah. I did so it you, for a long time. Yeah. So you got to know. I loved that score. it. Loved it. So my, I found my voice has rounded out and and gained. Sometimes I listen back to my voice and I miss the kind of like ping and yes. and everything. But then I'm very satisfied with what my voice is now because I think it's different than than what is on Broadway. And so, I, you got to love what you can do and not. Right, right. You can only be where you are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so, at this point, would uh, would you say that you have made it? Does it feel like you have made it? Man, I'll, I'll be very honest with you. No, I was just sitting back at the hotel room, uh, having having you know every now and then you have moments of satisfaction. Then you, every now and then you have these freak out moments. Like God, what is going on? And I, look, I'm very very happy with my career and and. Uh, what I've done, I'm very proud of it. But there's still like you can have moment, uh, a great deal of moments of inadequacy and of of uh, fear and 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 like what am I gonna do and where's it gonna go? And then you, you let that feeling come and you let it go and you just keep moving on. So uh, it's a it's a moment to moment thing. Mm-hmm. Just kind of go with it. What's the the longest stretch that you had between between jobs between bookings? Uh, it was when I so I took La Boheme to L.A. and uh, then stayed out there thinking I was going to be a TV star, and <laughs> and uh, so I went at least like a year without work, and then I would do a little gig like at Pasadena Playhouse, and then I had a little flurry where I did a couple things at Hollywood Bowl, and then and then nothing else. And so I actually then for the first time, and this is going to sound ridiculous, had to get a, a real world job. Mm. And I've been, so I've been very, very lucky, knock on wood, uh, you know, 21 years now as a professional actor in at this level. And 
had to do that. And that's a, it's a hard thing to do. And it's a hard thing for any of us to do, I think, to feel like, uh, but it's not giving up and it's not being second best. It's just doing what you got to do in this this crazy, crazy nonlinear career. Mm -hmm. Have you ever thought about giving it up? Was there ever a moment, you know, when that voice came and you're like, maybe I could do something else or should do something else? Um, I'm sure there have been. I think I've probably just blocked it out necessarily. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I've, I've always had, and even I was married for 12 years and, and, uh, my ex-wife didn't work. And so I, we knew I was the, the lone breadwinner. Um, so you just, there was a kind of a drive like to go, okay, I got to do this. And now I'm at a certain point where I'm like, like I said to you, I'll work. It might not be always the work that I want and I'll have to hustle. But I'll work. Yeah. And one way or the other. One way or the other. Yeah. So uh, I do have a kind of a, as of yet, unshakable faith, even though I have those moments of, of doubt, there's a, a through line of, of faith that I will work. Um, it just won't always be where I want it to be. It won't always be in New York and it won't always be exactly what I want. Would you say that that really then is your definition of making it just being employed working yeah you know my when you you talk about making it my idea of making it is to know that i have like four months of work and then i have a month off and then i have three months of work after that and then another two months off because i want to go piss off to i want to live i want to live that's all i want to do i i love this work and it fills my my soul and my heart and my mind and everything it is the energy behind it but i have an incredible life outside of this. And so I, I want to explore that life and I just want to enjoy my friends, my family, my loved ones and, and this world, because, you know, my dad dying six years ago kind of redefined the way I wanted to live my life. Mm-hmm. And all I want to do is experience things now and, and take these memories and not waste that time, you know, uh, cause we, in this business and in life, we either have the time, but not the money or the money, but not the time. And money is renewable. You'll, you'll, you, money comes and goes, right? right. Time does yeah. not. Time is gone. So I just don't want to waste time. And I just want to like uh, try to experience everything I can. What is it that, that, that fills your soul? You know, as, as, you, as you were saying, performing, as, as we all yeah. know, is, is a great high oh, and, and, and a complete. great experience. But what is it that, would you say, truly motivates you throughout your, your daily life? Um. Just being happy, honestly, like trying to find perspective. I have perspective tattooed on me. I have now tattooed on me. So all these little <laughs> reminders to reminders. myself. Yeah, of just like what's important. And, and like anytime I start getting down about myself, I try to tell myself to pull back and view things from a, a macro lens instead of a micro lens and to know that that this moment will pass. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're, the good times will never last and the bad times will never last. So... Don't get so hung up on the bad times and, and learn to really enjoy the good times. Um, I don't know. I, I'm going to sound like a self-help book right now. But it's just really important to me because this yeah. the vagrancies of this this career um, can really, really envelop you and, and take you under. Yeah. Well, I, I was I was reading and this was a, a recent actual study, like a scientific study. They, they went through. Uh, IBDB and just kind of did this survey of, of, of like several thousand actors and actresses. And they were saying that I think it was like 70 or 80% of them are gone after, after a year. 
So, so like they go, they, they try to, they work, they do this yeah. and that for a year, and then you never hear from them again. They, you know, they're out of the business or yeah. doing other things. And so I think it it is it is all about staying power and somehow finding that, okay, I haven't worked in this long, but I'm going to keep going yeah. and finding that. You know, it's so interesting. Robin Herder. Do you know Robin? I don't know. So she's in, she's, I think Nina's the character in Moulin Rouge. She's like the okay. dancer character, the, the uh, what was her name? Caroline O'Connor role. Oh, right. Yes. That role. Yes. And Robin, to me, we did Kiss Me Kate. I had done Oklahoma with Clyde, her husband, Clyde Aus, um, here. But then we did Kiss Me Kate, she and I and him in uh, in uh, Seattle. And she, I think she's spectacular. She's like a star. She is unreal. And she went three years, I think she said, without working. Like nothing? Nothing. And she had a kid for one of those. but sure. But still... And so, you know, there's just no rhyme or reason to it. All I can ask myself is, am I getting in my own way? Because right. most people where I go, why is that person not working? They're so spectacularly talented. And there are always different reasons. But the majority of the time, it's because they're getting in their own way. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm in a place of where I'm not doing something or if I'm not booking or if I'm not, all I can do is ask, am I getting in my own way? Right. Is there something that I need to adjust yeah. or tweak? Or, yeah. yeah. Am I not preparing well enough? Am I going in with an attitude that that I don't want to? Am I not putting myself out there in the way that I want to? Am is, I? Is there a certain thing that you've seen in your own work or your own preparing that where you're like, oh, this is what's holding me back? I think I, think I used to think that um, a sort of uh, improvisational quality or sort of fresh quality would be refreshing in an audition and... and not to be constricted by having too many ideas going in. And the more and more I, I've gotten into this, I'm like, no, you need to have like a blue, an absolute blueprint as to how you want this audition to go. Because it's a mm-hmm. it's a it's a work session for you. So you when you go into an audition, you take control as much as you can without being like bossy in the audition. Yeah, yeah. Take control of that time as much as you can. And the only way you can do that is is through preparation beforehand. So and I'm not always good about following this. I was just, that's one of the things I was getting on myself about sitting in my hotel room before I came here was opportunities that have passed because of my uh, lack of preparedness. Yeah. 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 We, we were talking about cabarets and there was one earlier this year where the, the, uh, the composer sent me the music and just like, you know, I was busy doing this or that and two mm-hmm. weeks went by and I was like, oh, right, I need to. And, and, and then the, the moment had gone. So yeah. she, she found other people Ugh. for her cabaret. So it's just, it's stuff like that where, yeah, you, you, it's, it's a matter of focus and, and figuring out what's important, yeah. prioritizing your time yeah. again, back to the time. Yeah. It's so important. It's that. yeah. Cause it just, it goes, mm-hmm. you know, and then you, all you're left with is regret as to like, <laughs> oh, why I didn't, wasn't, what was I doing? I was doing nothing. Why didn't I just sit down and learn this or. Or when you're in that audition and you're nervous because you know you haven't done all the work you needed to do, it's so frustrating. Yeah. So why don't we just take the easy road? It's really the easy road by doing the work. Yeah. It's not that much. In the end, it's not that hard. Because we're it, not. It's generally a five, ten minute audition. Yeah. And that's all we have to prepare for. Yes. Five or ten minutes. So if you spend, you know, three hours, that that's nothing. And uh, I just, I get so mad at myself. Sorry. I get mm-hmm. so mad at myself. Oh, when I oh don't. I'm, yeah. I'm the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not worth it. So that's, that's, what that's <laughs> no. but, but obviously most of the time you find yourself having prepared and, you know, and so for you, what, what has been your, 
your your most favorite role, not not even your your most biggest mm. recognition, but your favorite role that like okay, if I could do this role or this type of show for the rest of my career, this is what this is what okay. I would love to do. I mean, I'll go. I go back to to the Bohem for a couple of reasons. One, I only had to do four shows a week, so my voice always felt fresh. Oh. So that was nice to go into a, a show knowing you had your facilities about you. Um, uh, and it was just gorgeous to be able to to sing on Broadway w- an opera with that that orchestra, which was a large, it wasn't full size orchestra, but it was a, the largest orchestra on Broadway, and to hear that music and to to be a part of something so special and unique. That's where it's gratifying to me is is like just being a part of a group, and to that that's what's special is the connection with people this lady in the dark that we just did was such a special event it's like a 120 piece chorus and all of these amazing actors david patu victoria clark ron rains chris invar montego ashley park like all these amazing yeah. people yeah, and that's it was a great cast that's all you want to do is work with people who are much much better than you so that that you can learn that's all i want to do and i'm not trying to sound precious or anything like that but that's what I get off on is just like yeah. learning and, and you know, there's a bit of an ego boost saying, yeah, I'm, I'm in this group of people. Um, but then you, you, you're paddling under the water to try to, to keep up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because moving to New York, my big goal was Broadway. Yeah. And as that hasn't happened yet, I've had to adjust and, and, and you kind of figure out, okay, well, what, what's really important? Like, yeah. yes, a, attaining that level is, is certainly a nice pinnacle, nice yeah. recognition, but I've had to figure out really why I'm doing this. If it, if I'm not going to get that, because who knows? Yeah. Then why else am I here? And and so working with, like, working on great material with great people mm-hmm. has kind of become my main goal. Wherever that's going to be. Yeah. Regionally, professionally. That's really the name of the be. game, man. Because there are only so many shows on Broadway at a certain time, mm-hmm. and only so many then roles that you would be right for. And then there, are, you know, how many people? It's just. It's and you're fighting against people who've been involved with that director before or have a yeah. star power behind them or whatever it is. There are just so many variables that are out there that it's it's no reflection on your talent or your ability. Uh, it's just timing and luck and, and your preparation, meeting all of this. I mean, it's just, I don't know. So you can't, I was, there was an article in the Times a couple of months ago about doing things for passion and when when you're doing something that you're passionate about but it has a goal uh attached to it and it robs you that that goal then robs you of your passion Hmm. and uh it's a very interesting article because because the reaching the goal kind of makes the passion worth it or not and yeah exactly that that becomes the yeah yeah and and so if you're you know instead of the practice of it in itself being that that uh expression of that passion You've attached it to this this ultimate goal because that passion is only worth it if you reach. Yeah, that and that's end. I don't know that 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 should be the way it is. That's true. So it was a very interesting article, and it's interesting. My my girlfriend is is uh, a little bit younger than me, and so we're at very different points in our career. And it's you know without trying to seem like wise old man and, and everything, <laughs> and which is exactly what I don't want to do. But it's just interesting perspective again, and. Uh, you can't really, and so when she gets down, I'm I'm just like Paige. You just gotta, you know, just push through, keep going, keep mm-hmm. keep walking it, and 
It'll happen when it's supposed to happen, and that sounds so cliche, and that's the last thing you want to hear from somebody. I know. Yeah, um, yeah, because when you're in the midst of that, it's like, because they look at you. Well, of course, you're making it. You're yeah, doing it. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're 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 about to go do these three shows, yeah. and I'm just waiting to get you know a, a, yeah. a reading. Yeah. You know. So yeah. no, I, I get that because my husband's a few years younger as well, yeah. and at different points. Yeah. And so it, it's. It's but it's no less valid. I mean, everybody's oh, in the same place at different levels. You know what I mean? We're absolutely. All... Because I know exactly whenever he, he, you know, rails about this or that or is frustrated, I know exactly how he feels. Because yeah. last week I felt the same way. Absolutely. So it, it's it's something that I, I absolutely identify with. Yeah. Because I don't think that frustration goes away. I don't think, I, I, I mean, I don't know this, but I would think that no matter what level you're at, you're always, uh, there's a, dissatisfaction or a fear or whatever there is that this is all there is Mm -hmm. and uh so yeah it's 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 a fleeting thing so you got to find the passion in it and and like you said try to create your own work which is gonna haunt me now but i I need to really get on (laughs) that i've now planted the bug yeah oh it's been there yeah it's ridiculous (laughs) i just gotta do it but again it's about again my insecurity is that Oh, who's going to want to come right, see right. that? Who am I? I mean, everybody does a show at 54 Below. I'm not going to matter in the grand scheme of things there. So it's, uh, yeah. Well, I would be on the on the front row. I so appreciate I, that. I, I appreciate I've that. I've certainly you enjoyed and, what I've seen. Thank you. Well, it's, you know what? I just feel, I just feel so lucky. I feel so lucky to have any sort of career because there are, as you know, you go to these auditions and you hear people sing. You do it and you're like, oh, my God, yeah. the amount of talent out there. And now you can't even I, – if I was a kid this these days trying to do this, there's no way. Because you, you have to sing, dance, act, and play an instrument. And Oh, uh, yeah, the playing of the instrument. Yeah, it's like, what, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I mean yeah, I, I'm sure eventually they'll do a Guys and Dolls where you have to bring on your own – Saxophone. <laughs> Yeah, no. Well, you you do play a a, a drum at one point. I do point. play a drum. I play a mean bass drum. <laughs> Sometimes I get so excited by it that I forget what my line is when I come out because it's just fun to beat a big drum. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but no, it's I just feel incredibly lucky that I've been able to cobble together uh, the the career that I have. Yeah. What do you see going forward that you would you would like to do more of? Or it's got to be TV. Or, it's got to yeah. be TV and film. Honestly. Uh, the way that I see things going is that you can't, it, it's very difficult to have roles on Broadway without some sort of TVQ, some mm-hmm. sort of, you know, wattage behind you. Um, and I want to do theater. Uh, so I got to do some TV too. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. yeah. Like I always want to be able to come and do some things and I want to do some of the things that I know I'm right for, but I can't command that and I can't, uh, demand that of of anybody because I'm I'm not a, a marketable you know quality quantity I I just I'm not there where I can uh, ask people to take that that leap with me so I need to do some work and figure out that whole TV film yeah and that's really become so important I would say over the last five years it's like before it was like stage work would kind of lead you into maybe a yeah. TV film career now it's the other way around yeah. to really really make it yeah i mean i get it people don't audiences want identifiable people up on stage i can bemoan it all i want but you know when you're paying 200 for a ticket 170 for a ticket you want it to be worth it yeah and and 
whether it's true or not, there's you put you you have a sort of faith in that this person's going to be a, of a certain level because you've seen them on TV, or you just want to see them in real life. Yeah, and bridge that gap. Yeah, I mean because yeah because like there are shows like like Wicked that that were great shows, but they also have these star cast, you know, yeah. Dina Menzel and that kind of thing. Yeah. But then there are shows, fortunately, that are coming along. Like like a Hades Town that you know won all the awards totally. that that doesn't have that kind of national star power, right. but is still going to be something that people want to see and it's selling out and absolutely. And, and so it, it it it's an interesting I think comes Broadway, event it becomes an yeah, event because I think Broadway is 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 trying to find that that balance of the Mean Girls and the King Kongs of the world mixed with a Hades Town and yeah. a, and you know the, the the smaller shows that can be like bands visit last year yeah. that can be so much like the, without I having mean, that's always a struggle yeah commercial versus art and how do you bridge the two and make make them uh, make a commercial show worthy of its of the art form and make a art form commercially viable yeah I mean that's 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 the great uh, puzzle that that producers are always trying to put together yeah. Because do you see yourself both as businessman and artist and trying to me- mesh have those to, two? Yeah, right. Because we are our own product and that's all we have. So, yeah. So you're always trying to figure out how to market yourself and, and, and how to put yourself out there and, and without being annoying about it. <laughs> how did you uh, get into the position of being or auditioning for that BBC Kiss Me Kate? That was this guy named Larry Moore, uh, who is uh, a, an amazing arranger and stuff like that. He's been around for a long time. And there was this guy named John McGlynn, who used to do all these old recordings of shows, like big, big recordings of Showboat and oh, everything. Okay. And um, he took over that estate for a while. And then it was John Wilson, who has that, his amazing orchestra in London, was saying, we need a legit baritone. We can't find it here. Do you have anybody over there? And, and thank God for Larry. He said, yes. Ben, and so I had to put myself on tape for the BBC and and uh, got it through him. Yeah. So it was just a, a one self tape, or did you have one self tape? Wow. Yeah. One and done. One and done. Those are nice. It was fantastic. <laughs> it was also scary because it was a one one performance. Oh, that's right. That's right. And it was recorded live. It was broadcast live on BBC Three Radio or, or BBC Radio. So and you then only had one night of that. It wasn't night. like they compiled. No. Frightening. Yeah, frightening. So whatever happens yep. is posterity for decades yeah. to come. Because yeah. they, they broadcast it live on radio and then they filmed it and broadcast it at Christmas uh, on TV. Mm-hmm. So it was, wow, yeah, that was so much fun though. That was great. I mean, experience. I mean, it, it looked like a great time. Was it was it a mix of uh, English and American and other so, people? Yeah, it was Tony Yazbek, uh, Al Silber, Alexandra Silber, and myself were the three Americans. Louise Dearman was uh, the the British gal who played uh, Lois, okay. and uh, she's like she's played Galinda and Elphaba, both of those. She's incredible. Yeah. And uh, then it was all British cast uh, beyond that. So and like the one of the gangsters was this guy named Mike Gibson, who's in the Star Wars movie. He played uh, King George in oh, uh, yeah. Hamilton over there. Yeah. He's unreal. Just a, such a talented guy. Um, so yeah, and then that led to me doing a concert with the RTE Orchestra in Dublin with uh, John Wilson, oh, okay, and um, Jenna Russell and Damien Humbley, this amazing, and Kim Criswell, like 
So it's just, you know, it, you it, just try to cobble together things yeah. and, and not be a dick and, and do good work. It's just. Right. right. Because I, w- I would almost say like e- even more, I don't know, even more, but certainly as important as the marketing, as the preparation for audition, it's being a nice guy. It's, yeah. it's, it's having good rapport with other people, them remembering you and then, then they, they talk about you. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, it's so, it's so much who you know and who you've worked with. Well, and how many times have you had, I know I've had a couple of times where people are like, tell me about this person. What do you think? Yeah. And if it's, and if the person asking me is a friend that I really want to direct, I'll be very honest about what I <laughs> yeah, think. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm so, I'm sure people are saying that about me too. Yeah. And look, you're not going to be friends with everybody, but you don't have to make enemies wherever you go. Right, yeah. right. You, you can still be professional and show up, do yeah. your work, even if, you know, you're not buddy-buddy. Yeah, with exactly. You know? But that, that's how I got my first Muni gig. It was it was so strange because I had worked with the, the music director on the Adams Family Tour. And so my agent just calls me up. Who's I, that? Uh, it was uh, Val. Well, oh, I, I don't know. know. Okay. I can't think of her last name. Yeah, anyway, Val. I just know where's Val. Um, she, uh, yeah, I was on the Avita tour. And then my agent just says, I have a contract for you at the Muni. Did you audition for? Like, amazing. She didn't contact me. She did just all of a sudden. That's amazing. And I was like, well, yeah, I think I did the EPA. But yeah, so it was just a contract. And then come to find out, Val had just recommended me. That's awesome. They were looking for a Grinch. And here I am. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, I mean, that was like the wildest thing. Yeah. So it really is about just being a person yeah, with other people. That's it. And you know what? The times that I've been a dick, and God knows I have. Been there, done that. Usually it's yeah. when I'm feeling scared or insecure or, or whatever. And the times that I've seen the worst behavior from people is because of their fears. So you just, when they're desperate. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I think that's one of the things that casting directors and directors will see in the room. Yeah. When we're like, I just want this. Please, please, please. I was actually a reader for Kinky Boots in the auditions uh, for this? on Broadway. Oh, okay. And uh, it was so interesting. It's the first time I had done that. Only time I've done that. It was so interesting. Yeah. What, was, what, what did you learn from that? Because I've been doing some reading myself. Well, first of all, it's not to take anything. Like, I used to think, like, when I left an audition and they didn't bring somebody in right away, that that was good. That means they're, they're talking. That doesn't mean jack all. It really doesn't. So as much as you can, and everybody says it, but it's so hard to do, just leave the audition in the room mm-hmm. and get on with your life. Um, and then... It's just about how you put yourself off, you know? It's like when you come into the room, are you warm without being too eager? I mean, just be you and relaxed as you can and professional. Know your stuff. Be prepared uh, so that that casting director knows that they can count on you and so that you can put your best self forward. Yeah. 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 The preparation, I think, was the biggest thing that I saw because it was... And it and, and wasn't even about being memorized. It was, it was just about knowing the material. Yeah, you have to look down, whatever. Sure. But it was about knowing the material, having a choice and, and, and a joy in doing it. Yeah. Whether, what, whether you're being the bad guy or the you know, ingenue. It's yeah. like about just having a joy and a drive yeah. to it. And, and that's something that, it's, yeah, that, that's not really something, I guess, that you practice. That's just something that exudes from you. Well, and you also have to be aware of the room. Sometimes you'll go into a very congenial room and you can joke around and whatever. Mm-hmm. Other times you'll go into a room and you just sense the energy. Business. Yeah. So then you, you know, <laughs> be very polite, very charming and nice and, and warm and, and just what, just go to the piano, yeah. do what you need to do and then go do your thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. As, as I've done the, as I've been doing more and more of the, the Broadway auditions, I'm noticing a bit more of that business atmosphere and a yeah. little less... 
Hey, how you doing? Yeah. Uh, pat on the back. Great. Yeah. It's always different. It's, it yeah, varies but with it, the, it depends on the director. It exactly does. Yeah. yeah. So, and it threw me, I, first time I auditioned for Trevor Nunn, uh, you know, usually you go in there and you do your, hi, how are you doing? A little small talk. Go to the piano, you do that. First time I auditioned for Trevor, I go to the piano, I'm getting ready to do it. He goes, hey, come here, let's have a chat. So you have to go and have a talk with them beforehand. He wants you to sit down and talk with them. And a lot of British directors will do this. But it threw me off because I was like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. This isn't how <laughs> no, I do this. I, I need to sing. Oh, I need to sing first. This is, I came in, I'm prepared. Because... So you just kind of have to like relax and let it, let it all come to you a little bit. Yeah. Do you, what is your impression of being in the room and like knowing you did a good job or knowing you didn't, having a sense of, oh, I, th- I, th- I think they like me. I think they don't. How, I'm awful. How do, you, how do you feel? I'm awful about it. Yeah, this the the last TV thing I booked. I I wrote my uh, agent right afterwards. And I said, "Well, I thought I did well, but I have no f- expletive idea how to do this. I give up." She said when I texted her that they had already called her and said, "Oh, he's pinned for this," and then I booked it. <laughs> so I don't know, and I'm just gonna <laughs> stop thinking that I can even. Yeah, that happened with me with an audition. I was like, well, "Okay, well, that, I botched that one." Okay, and then it turns out they put me on hold. Yeah, because I was like, "Oh, oh, oh okay." You well, just then I'll have just no wait. Idea. I mean, I didn't end up getting it, yeah. but still, they, I was down to me and whoever yeah. else. So, it's frustrating. Yeah, and so whatever. It's yeah. just yeah. business. What? Well, yeah, because because so much of this is is dependent upon other people. So it's nice whenever there are those moments when we can yeah. do exactly. our own thing. Exactly. Yeah. Well, well, Ben, this has been such a pleasure. Such Thanks. A pleasure to Man, talk I hope to you. it came off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's been good. It's been cool. Good. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining me. To find out more about Ben Davis and everything that we talked about today, go to the website, winmepodcast.com. There I'll have links where you can find him, follow him, and learn more about all of his work. Well, that does it for season two. We've reached the end. And again, I just want to thank you for joining not only me and Ben today, but myself and all of my guests this entire season. It's been such a joy to talk to them and bring those conversations to you. Over the summer, I'm going to be obviously taking a break. I have the rest of Kinky Boots to finish up, as well as I'll be doing Bridges of Madison County in North Carolina. A lot of work going on, which I'm so grateful and thankful for. And coming up in September, I hope to bring you a few new things. Uh, the blog will continue to go, so the uh, the blog will go on throughout the summer, so continue to keep up with that every Friday. And then coming up in September, I'll give you a hint. We had Jelani Aladdin on last year, and so someone else from the Frozen world will be joining me for the Season 3 opener. I hope you have a great summer. Keep up with me and the blog through Instagram and Twitter at WinMePodcast. I'm Patrick Oliver Jones, and it has been my joy to be your host this season, reminding you that the reasons for not making it may be countless and frustrating, but the reasons to keep going are even more numerous and rewarding. I'll see you in September. Hey. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 